We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back with another Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. I am John Kurtz, joined by Aaron Lockett, former K-State wide receiver, as we break down K-State and Oklahoma and look forward to the bye week and are joined by a special guest this time around, legendary K-State return man, David Allen. Very much looking forward to that as well. Unfortunately, we're talking about a K-State loss. It was a close one, a one-possession loss to the Oklahoma Sooners. A lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas uh, coming out of this game, both from the officials, some reviews, some bad breaks that K-State had, but also defense not performing well enough and K-State turning it over. The return of Skylar Thompson. I mean, this game was not lacking for storylines. There's no doubt about that. But one of the storylines was that the place was rocking. It was a great environment. Uh, a lot of compliments on that. I know the TV broadcast was very complimentary of that as well. So K-State fans should definitely be happy about that. And I'm sure that's in large part because with the 2.30 kickoff, hey, you had time to get out there and knock down some 360 vodka, 360 vodka and holiday distillery help bring you the lock it up with Kurt's podcast and everything on the KC SN. And they are awesome. And they have look, whatever it was that you wanted craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions, they can get you started with that with 360 vodka and holiday distillery. And doesn't have to stop this week. I know there's not a K state game, but that doesn't mean you can't kick back and watch some of the college football action that's going on this week. There are some good games, man. You can get it fired up pretty early with the red river rivalry uh, and watching Texas and Oklahoma, uh, whatever it is that you're going to be doing this weekend, make sure you bring some 360 vodka along to enjoy it as well. Looking back at this game, man, it, it's really easy. And I know fans have been very frustrated with the onside kick overturn with the Landry Weber catch overturn. Um, I, certainly we can talk about that. And, and even the fumble on K-State's opening drive, there are a lot of ways you can slice how it is that K-State did lose this game, which was fairly winnable against Oklahoma. But to me, it does all start with the defense. Um, Oklahoma obviously has a lot of talent on offense. A couple of guys that were number one receivers in their class. Spencer Rattler, a lot of people thought he was the best quarterback in his class. A lot of people thought he was the Heisman favorite coming into this year. And he looked pretty good. Um, I, I thought that's a part of it. He looked pretty good. But K-State's defense definitely got shredded for the most part of that game and just couldn't get enough stops, couldn't get Oklahoma off the field enough. The, the, the defense definitely – um, you know, didn't win every single battle that we needed them to win. We almost needed to play perfect, perfectly um, against Oklahoma, just based on the talent they have, the experience they had, um, you know, with a five-star quarterback, um, nice receivers and a durable running back. We just knew they were going to come with some firepower. And so I know they haven't been clicking on all cylinders in their earlier games. And there were some opportunities when we looked at uh, Tulane game that, okay, 
maybe OU is not the OU of old, but we didn't want to discount their their talent. And I think that we got opportunity to see um, Spencer Rattler make some key third and fourth down throws. Kennedy Brooks can move the chains. Um, and obviously Woods and Mims made some catches down the stretch um, that kept drives going. And so for us, we just couldn't get off the field enough, didn't win on the field position. And uh, because of that, you know, those opportunities that we had just started to slip away. Yeah, and there, there were plenty of opportunities. I mean, a couple of key areas are the, the end of the first half. Uh, you give up points to Oklahoma. They come back out in the second half, get the football, drive down the field and score. And that's really where you talk about, hey, if the defense can get off the field one of those two times, it makes a big difference, not just on the scoreboard, but in terms of how the game felt. Felt like Oklahoma really took control of the game at that point. And the other one is K-State's opening drive. I mean, you, you have a fumble by Jacardier right when you're in the red zone and uh, K-State's been really good at these scripted first drives, uh, Courtney Messingham. I think that's one of the areas where he really has excelled um, right. is getting them ready to go. And especially when, when you're breaking in, I say a new quarterback, he's, he's kind of the opposite of new in the, the abstract, but new in terms of he hadn't played in a couple of weeks and Skyler looked very good, very sharp in orchestrating the offense down the field. And it just felt like, man, packed house. Everybody was fired up that they saw Skyler come out there. And that was a cool moment, a crowd pop when that happened. You're yeah. driving in, ready to score the touchdown and get the game going, and instead it turns into three points the other way, uh, just gift wrap for Oklahoma because of the fumble. Yeah, you know, turnover was always going to hurt you. Um, that one was big, though, right? You know, some some are just bigger than others, and that's okay. You know, his time will come where he'll get a chance to, to showcase what he can do. Um, but for that for that moment, it was just one of those drives, first drive, like you said, Skyler coming back. We needed points on the board. And so you wanted to put OU in a position to have to play from behind. And then some people play differently based on that, right? But, you know, getting up 3-0 early on, them getting the ball in the second half just gave them a little bit of a cushion. Um, so we was always fighting, even though that we tied it up there. But obviously, Skyler being um, back on the field was nothing short of exciting, right? Just his leadership skills, the way he orchestrates the offense, and just what he can do on the field, which is dynamic. I thought he played an excellent game. Um, we, went, we went for it a couple of times on fourth down. And uh, it was nice to see how cool, calm, and collected he was. And so there were some big plays made. I think there were some individuals within the team that stood out um, because that was just a big game. And so we caught the ball well. We ran the ball well. We blocked well. We just gave up on field position and some opportunities that we didn't capitalize on, and that ended up being the difference. Yeah, I mean, the offense, the crazy part about it is the, the offense only had seven possessions in the game. They scored on four of them. So, and one of them is the fumble in the red zone, right? So, I mean, they were moving the ball consistently throughout the game. So it's hard to be, you know, have too many issues with all of that. And, and Skyler, I think, is a great point. What a fascinating performance that is for him because it felt like due to the fact that he was not wanting to run, right, he's coming back from the knee injury, um, due to the fact that he didn't want to take off and scramble, he was, like, forced to stay in the pocket much more than he typically is. And lo and behold, he almost puts up a career high in passing. He goes over 300 yards, which has been a rarity in his career. I thought he looked better as a quarterback, you know? I mean, <laughs> The criticism on him a lot of times has been just that he can be too willing to run and too willing to take off and give up on a play and maybe the pocket presence is lacking. He was totally forced to because he he did not want to risk it by running and didn't have a single carry in the entire game. And I think there's a possibility here. I know it stings in the short term and you wanted to win, but there's a possibility here that this unlocks something in Skylar Thompson that we haven't really seen before. If you can then pair it after the bye week, hopefully with a more confident knee, and the running ability to go along with that. I mean, Chris Kleiman even echoed it in his press conference today that he kind of agreed. It, it did make Skylar Thompson better quarterback in some ways. Yeah. You know, I, I was impressed by how he distributed the ball. I mean, everybody got involved, right? Metabebe with the, the catch over the middle on the fourth down. Um, 
I thought Weber played an exceptional game. He did. I thought that he he was a nice safety outlet. But not only that, though, he caught the ball and ran with it. And you can tell that his confidence was growing and growing. I was on the sideline right there where he scored the touchdown. And God has been some while since I played football. But, <laughs> man, Skyler threw a bullet to him. And it was just humming. And he just caught it with his hands, ducked in the end zone, touchdown like it was nothing. And so I thought that that showed his professionalism. Um, I watched him pregame. And I haven't had a chance to see Weber up close, but I was I was looking at him. I said, God, he's got some moves, you know. And obviously, there was no defensive out there, but just seeing how he ran his routes and how fluid he was. And so when he performed well, it was pretty exciting to me because it translates from what I saw pregame. And then, obviously, Brooks played well. Um, you know, Malik Knowles played well. I thought everybody played their part. And I, like I said, they all distributed the ball well. Deuce had 10 catches. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, Deuce is coming out of the backfield. Uh, he made a catch on the goal line on the arrow route uh Skyler threw it hard and inside on his shoelace and he snagged it like it wasn't a problem and so I think that was a confidence builder for us just having Skyler back out there people felt obligated to do their part and that's ultimately what we wanted to see from a football team um overall and so I'm excited for what the next couple of games will showcase I think as you just mentioned I think an unlock that Weber is reliable get him the ball more um we came up with some new plays I never I never had a chance to see that play where Brooks came in motion on the backside, yeah. then ran like a little swing route, you know, ran hard to the pylon, got in the end zone. Malik with the kickoff return. There were just enough things offensively that, that left me feeling like there's more for us to give. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, creativity. I mean, that play to, to Brooks on fourth down, you're right. It was like almost straight out of the Chiefs playbook, you know. So you would <laughs> see them run, uh, getting the ball to Brooks, gracing all the different weapons, get involved. And I, I think there is something, too, you hit on – Guys feeling a, a need to make plays when Skyler's back in there. It just, you know, subconsciously, I, I, it feels like everybody raises their level. And it, this even goes back to when he got hurt. They all kind of admitted, like, yeah, it, it really took some wind out of our sails against Southern Illinois when Skyler went down. Like, we weren't expecting that. That's seeing your guy go down, your leader. And then they even admitted that, hey, there was an extra pep in everybody's step when they found out he wasn't going to be out for the year. And it's it's not really meant as a slight to the other quarterbacks, but it's just the reality he has that respect and everybody knows that he really elevates the play of the offense. So I do think that there is like an intangible factor to that, that, that adds to what everybody does offensively and how they play. No, I agree. And, and he's earned that right. And so um, respectfully, all the other players do look at him as a leader and they should because he's earned those stripes. And so for him coming out there, it probably felt good for him. And he was smart. He didn't do anything to put himself in position and then he still made the tackle. Uh, on the fumble return just to make sure that they didn't score. But, you know, 20 yards later, he was like, somebody help me out. But he made the play for us, which was cool. But defensively, um, you know, we we couldn't stop them from moving the ball. And they just kept getting extra yards after the catch, after the run. It was like one guy would hit them, and another five yards later they would fall down. And so the tackling probably quite wasn't where it needed to be. But excited to see Yeast played well. He went up there and stuck his nose up there, came out with seven or eight tackles, and Jay Mack, um, made some plays. And so even um, uh, Jones jumped in there uh, and made some plays, a nice tackle for loss. But I thought um, the corners played fairly well, right? And so they didn't give up the big balls. Um, they gave up a touchdown. Echo did. Um, somehow he ended up on the back of the end zone. I couldn't quite see it. There had to be a push off of some nature. He just didn't seem to be that far away. Um, but then to turn around and, and you see, uh, you know, Brent come, uh, come around with an interception. And so nice to see him make that play. But like I said, confidence is building. I think they're all getting used and acclimated to what the Big 12 has to offer. They had a tough Big 12 schedule starting off. I mean, Oklahoma State and then turn around and get in Oklahoma. 
Um, that's not the easiest feat to start it off, but that's what we were dealt. And so excited to see some of the plays we made, but hopefully we, we can come out with some wins for the next future weeks. Yeah, so that, that's a part of it. If you want to be encouraged and optimistic about it, which I think it's it's fair to be certainly optimistic about where the rest of the season goes because you have Skyler back. You've seen what he can do for the offense. And schedule-wise, I, I did see the Sagarin rankings came out at strength of schedule, and K-State was number four in the country. They had the toughest <laughs> Big 12 so far this year. And that's yeah. because, like right now, Oklahoma State's number 12. Oklahoma's obviously in the top five. So you think about two of those games, one of which being on the road for your Big 12 start, not yeah. easy. Right. But at the same time, it also feels like it's been forever since K-State's won a Big 12 game because it has. They've lost seven straight Big 12 games, which is a tough pill to swallow. A lot of that, yeah. I know, was injury related last year. But it, it just to me, it puts a, a lot of emphasis on this Iowa State game. It's going to be very, very important. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't touch on. So the onside kick review, right, that, that generates mm. and has driven a lot of conversation after the game. I mean, look, it's frustrating. It is absolutely frustrating because I, you know, Mike Pereira um, said it on the broadcast and then kind of backed this up on a little uh, piece of digital content that Fox um, put together here in the last uh, 24 hours. And I think Dean Blandino was involved in it too. Basically like Fox top two rules analysts. They, they basically said the big 12 kind of screwed up by letting Lincoln Riley essentially challenge a play that had already been reviewed that, yeah. The reality is when it goes up to for a booth review, no matter what it is that they're looking at at first, you're supposed to review every aspect of a play. So that that should have been reviewed. That should have been taken care of. Unfortunately, it was not. And Lincoln probably got away with one there. But in the end, I mean, the ball was hit twice as much as that sucks. And it takes slow-mo to see it and all that. It did get the call right. It just the concern I know for Pereira is opening up a can of worms here. I'm like, or will a lot of coaches try to do this? Um, can you start looking at different things on every play, just opening up Pandora's box, but it's frustrating. I just won't sit here and dwell on it. Like it's the reason that K-State lost. It definitely made an impact and you wish that it wouldn't have happened, but I, I also don't think that it's the reason that K-State lost the game. I mean, it, when it happened, it was 27 to 17. Um, and so it gave us an opportunity to get in the ball that, at the 40 yard line with a chance to score to make it a three point game. Um, for me, it was one of those scenarios where, instant replay actually hurts you, right? And so, yes, you want to get it right, but they replayed it. They called it. It is what it is. You move forward, right? And so um, just, to, just to go into that level of detail associated with, did he make the right call? Can I challenge this piece of it? Or can I ask you to review that play? Just seems to be, it, it was a, a killer just based on emotionally, the way the game was swinging. It was a, I don't think a lot of people was anticipating, obviously. And so it was a great call. Um, and it, it just didn't work out in our favor. And so that ended up being an emotional letdown that we never really recovered from. Yeah, it was definitely an emotional letdown. And even, you know, I mean, the Landry Weber play too. I, I'd be curious. I don't know how good of a look you got at that. That's a that's a fourth and long. I think it was fourth and 14 um, that K-State converted. And credit Chris Kleiman, he was extremely aggressive on fourth down throughout the game, which I think they needed yep. to be. I don't know. Do you, you think that was a catch for Landry? There? I think it was a catch. I mean, you know, the tail end of the ball can hit the ground as long as he shows that he has control and it didn't seem to, to wiggle that much. And like you said, it was it was a dark, deep dig. You know, he caught it with confidence. I, I thought it was a, a first down. But once again, another emotional letdown, you know, and that right there, both of them, we lost possession of the ball. And so it wasn't just losing a down and having to punt, but you actually lost the ball. And so it becomes a turnover in some senses if you look at it. And so because of that, um, those were just, we needed one of those two to go our way yeah. in order just to, when you're playing, um, a team like Oklahoma, you just need those calls to go your way. Um, at least a majority of them to be competitive. And for us just gave them too much field position. Um, and we just never could recover from it. 
It's probably a good way to phrase it, that you you were going to need a break or two to go your way. Instead, with the other way, I mean, Oklahoma recovered a couple of fumbles that they had too, uh, which is which is tough luck. So now, I mean, look, we'll, we'll have plenty of time next week to talk about the buy and specifics of it and some of the advantages of it. But yeah. just a quick take from you on do you feel like as a football team, does it come at a good time in a situation like this where you have a couple of back-to-back tough losses here five games into the season? How, how do you feel about the timing of where the buy occurs right now? Oh, yeah, the timing is perfect. You hit the reset button. And so, you know, you're coming off of two losses, both Big 12. You need to you need to get back into the, the film room and say, okay, what do we need to do better, right? Plus, any injuries can now get healthy, give Skyler another week to get going. I think Skyler is the key. Obviously, we had Skyler in that Oklahoma State game. Maybe we play differently. Um, I just think that he gives a different type of energy. So excited to see what he can bring to the table when he feels a week healthier from last week. And I think his confidence is probably there now as well. So he's probably like, okay, the season now starts for me. And that's how people will look at it. And so the goal is, yes, we've played four games. Um, obviously, we're 2-2, two and two, lost two of the Big 12. But now you've got the remainder of the games all in the Big 12. Now it's time to go out there and showcase that you're dominant. And it's all about how you finish and not how you start. And so for us, that's going to trend into next year. And so you've got to think about the succession plan. And as, as you have players coming on to Kansas State, you want to end on a winning note. Obviously, last, last year we did the opposite. And that makes for a long offseason. And so for us, I think it's important that, one, we owe Iowa State, right? 45 to Oof. zero is just not going to happen again, right? And so I think they're not as dynamic as the OU. Obviously, they've got Brees Hall, who should be a first-rounder at the end of the day, top-tier running back, solid quarterback. But for us, um, I think we need to come out and start winning some of these games. And so I'm excited to see what we look like after the bye week. Yeah, I think it's a monster game. It'll be prime time. It's 6.30 at night, you get ESPN2 TV for it. Like, that, that's going to be a really, really fun atmosphere uh, at the yep. for that game. Definitely looking forward to that. Now, if you were in attendance on Saturday, one of the really cool parts of what was going on is that K-State was honoring inductees into the K-State Athletics Hall of Fame and also honoring Darren Sproles for getting inducted into the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. That was really cool. Love to see Darren just enjoying and soaking up the atmosphere, even racing kids in the parking lot, man. That was great. <laughs> like Darren just making memories uh, for a lifetime for some kids. Yeah. Um, but one of the guys who was there was David Allen, who's who's obviously an absolute legend. Um, he had at one point in time, it tied for the punt return touchdown record in college football. Should have broken it. He got a BS penalty. They called one back against Iowa that, uh, that should have been the record breaker in 2000. But the guy yeah. that really kind of, keyed this whole line and lineage that obviously Aaron you were included in of great punt returners and kick returners at K-State that's been awesome obviously to watch evolve over the years so really excited to get a chance to talk here with David Allen all right well we have David Allen with us right now legendary K-State return man former running back in the Wildcat program as well uh David really awesome to have you on the podcast man great to great to chat with you again got to talk a little bit uh before the game back on Friday but how was the whole weekend? What was the experience like being being back in Manhattan for that game? No, man, the weekend was great. You know, uh, like I said, you know, it was a great honor. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, you know, it was uh, a heck of a weekend, you know, with Darren and Jordy and all the other inductees, you know, uh, you know, hate that we lost. But, uh, you know, all in all, you know, the weekend was great. And uh, glad I got the, glad the opportunity to, to be there. What, what are you up to these days for K-State fans that are curious uh, just on what, what's going on in your life right now? Uh, not a lot, man. Just living life, uh, trying to enjoy uh, each day. Uh, just working for a medical sales pharmaceutical company in sales. Uh, and 
like I said, not you know playing golf hand again here and whenever I get an opportunity to. But uh, for the most part, man, just uh, just enjoying life, uh, taking it day by day, and you know try to be happy. Well, I tell you what, I so I know Aaron wants to talk to you about returning the football, which you were obviously very good at, both of you guys. I, I asked you, David, on Friday, who is your favorite return man at K-State, not named David Allen? You said Aaron Lockett. So there we you, go. you guys have to chop it up now. I'm, I'm going to leave it to you guys here to get the discussion going on, on what it's like uh, a return man you at K-State. Man, don't let David fool you. I saw David this weekend, and David looks like he can play a full four course. David looks like he's ready to go. He, he's in prime time shape, you know. I tell you hey. what, uh, it was exciting to be around. Um, to see Scrolls and Jordy, but it was really cool to see David. I got a chance to see David and Jordy's uh, softball classic, but, you know, David and I have a special relationship because we were both punt returners. And so when I came into Kansas State, um, so I got a chance to play with David in 97, 98, 99, and the 2000 years. So we were there four years together. So I got a chance to watch him evolve from just being a freshman receiver all the way to being the man um, as a returner and a running back. And so I can tell you right now, when you talk about somebody that can catch the ball with his left hand, with his right hand, between his legs, as a punt returner, that man can do it right there. And so learned a ton from him. I tell you what, Smitty, Michael Smith was our receiver coach, and he would try to do some of those tricks as well. And Bone would catch a couple of them, but he wouldn't catch all of them, right? But I remember being back there with David. And, uh, you know, just a quick story. When my junior year, when David had got injured, they threw me out there. And, you know, I hadn't been a returner in college, but I did in high school, so I knew I could do it. And uh, we were talking about this this weekend. The Iowa game, I caught one, and I think I got tackled and it fumbled after the play. It wasn't a big thing. The next game um, we were playing, and it was either La Tech or Northeast Louisiana, and, and uh, David was hurt, and he was up in the, uh, the booth looking at me, and they kicked it to me, and I dropped the ball. I tried to catch it, and I kicked it out of bounds. And it was one of those long walks to the sideline where, like, Bill was like, Come here. <laughs> it was one of those. And luckily at the end of the game, I got a chance to return one for a touchdown. But, you know, David is one of the main reasons that I learned how to catch punts uh, in college football because it's totally different than high school. And so as as we were talking about it, um, you know, David was just reminiscing around how, how most of us struggled to catch punts coming in. It was something he naturally did. So I always appreciate that about David around catching punts. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, for me, you know, when I said Aaron was one of my favorites, you know, besides myself, it's just like you said, you know, we spent a whole lot of time together, you know, learning, teaching each other, you know, competing against each other, you know, uh, just uh, going at each other, just trying to get the best out of each other. And so for me, when I got hurt, you know, to see him be able to continue to do the things that I was doing just showed that, you know, the hard work and everything that we had led up to it had paid off because that's how I got my opportunity. You know, uh, I didn't go into K-State as a punt returner. I didn't, I wasn't starting punt returner when I was at my freshman year, Lamar Chapman was. And when Chap got hurt, it was my turn, you know, and that's, then right. that's how I earned my job. And it's kind of the same thing with Aaron, you know, yep. I got hurt, he got his job, we just kept it, you know, kept it rolling because of the things that we did day in and day out, you know, um, you know, we were you know, first ones out there on the practice field catching punts, the last ones to lead the practice field catching punts. And I think that's how, you know, we got to be, you know, the, catching it is the hardest part. The other stuff is easy, you know. Yeah, that's I mean, true. <laughs> if you're naturally gifted as far as an athlete, you know, you play the sport, you know, running and, you know, all those things. I and mean, if you're able to do that, that's fine. But just because you can run doesn't mean you can catch a punt. If you can catch the punt and add that to it, then you got something special. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, it's amazing when you think about it, you know, 
the 97, 98, 99 teams, you know, we would sit there. You look at the punt returners, you know, you talk about Lamar Chapman being back there. You talk about David Allen. You talk about myself. And so it was just exciting to see when guys now at Kansas State are able to return it because John Fabris is there no more. It's not Sean Snyder anymore. So it's not the same schemes, right? And right. so you start to really wonder, is it the K-State scheme or is it the players? And I'm starting to think it's the players and it's the legacy that we left that they now feel like they have to live up to. And so it's exciting to see whether it's the Brandon Banks or Tremaine Thompson's or, or Tyler's coming through and now Malik Knowles and now Phillip Brooks. Like all of these guys are tremendous. And I think it's just when you step into the K-State facility, if you're going to be a returner, there's a long legacy of returners that's done it well before you and you have to step up to it. And indirectly, they all seem to perform at a high level. And I also think it's just because of the, you know, the time and effort that we put into it as well, because we, you know, always at K-State, we've always put special teams on the same level as offense and defense. You know, we don't shortchange special teams because, you know, special teams can, you know, make or break a game. And so for us, you know, we put in just as much work on the special team side as we did on the offensive defensive side of the ball. So I think that contributes to it as well. Yeah. Tell me about this. Uh, have you ever been scared back there? Uh, I think there's always. Uh, I think I will say this. The only time I've really, really been nervous is I think it was my first NFL game uh, as a returner. Uh, it was against the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis when I was in Jacksonville, and I literally dropped the kick. It was a kickoff. What even the punt? I literally <laughs> dropped. <laughs> I literally dropped the kickoff, bounced off my chest. I mean, I was able to pick it up and, you know, get some yards. But uh, uh, I think that's the only time I've really been nervous, you know. Um, for me, I think nerves are part of it. You know, it's kind of a, that thing where, you know, it kind of gets you amped up to, you know, mimic play. And for me, I always enjoy – the reason I enjoyed punt return so much because you got well, 10 guys on your side, 11 guys on the other side, and it's you by yourself. Yeah. You know, and it's not necessarily always a set play. You know, you got your offensive plays, which is a set play. You got to run this route. You got to run that route. You got to run this way. Punt return, yeah, you might call a right punt return. Mm -hmm. It ain't always. <laughs> it don't mean it's always going to end up <laughs> as, a, as a right punt return. And I think it's, you know, it's one of the most exciting plays, I think, if you can um, break a punt return because it is you and 11 guys coming down, beating down on you. And so you kind of got to be a little crazy. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you got to be fearless because, yeah. you know, you got to make a split decision. Do I catch it? Do I fair catch it? Do I have room? Or do I not have room? You know, and you got to be able to see the whole field at the same time. I mean, there's just a whole lot of different things that go into being a great punt returner. So, yeah. Now, David, I, I know you said, look, the easy part is after you catch the ball. But, man, everybody, I think, gravitates toward that. 98 Texas return that you had that could not have been easy there's no way that that was easy that was a ridiculous return and I mean take, take me through what uh, what that one was like uh, that one was probably my most difficult one because uh, if you look at all the rest like I said the guys that were on our punt return teams um they wanted to be out there they worked just as hard as anybody else on the team I mean Aaron can attest to this they made our jobs easy you know you, outside of that return if I got started, it was easy. There wasn't a whole lot of people in the way, a whole lot of broken tackles, a whole lot of this, because those guys did their job. And like I said, at the end of the day, they made our job easy. You know, with that particular one, I mean, it was just one of those things where I caught it and maybe it was on me because I 
it was supposed to be a right return. I started going left. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, I started going left and then, you know, ended up going back right. And then, you know, and, uh, but it still shows a testament to those guys because they were still blocking. You know what I mean? They were still holding their blocks. There were still blocks being made. Even though there was a few tackles broken here and there, those guys were still doing their job. And, I, you know, I was still able to get to the sideline and then, you know, run it up for a touchdown. So, Yeah, I'm with you. If you sit back and think about it, I mean, I can name a ton of guys, right? Like from Drew Thalman to, to Brandon Clark to Chris DeVore to Bryce Light. Well, like, it just keeps going and going. Troy, and going. Troy like, Hackney, Chris Claiborne. <laughs> You know, I mean, even even starters. I mean, you got guys that were starters. Jared Cooper, uh, Chris Claybone. I mean, I'm sorry, Jared Cooper, Dyshawn Carter, Demetrius Butler. You know, it it wasn't just guys, you know, that weren't playing that were on these units. I mean, you had starters that were on this unit, too, because at the end of the day, they knew we had something special. And so those guys were begging not to be, even if they were tired because they just ran, you know, five defensive plays, they were going to be on that punt return. There, you weren't taking them off that. That was something that they looked forward to, and uh, they were happy to be a part of it. So, yeah, no, you're and I, I remember I was roommates with Milton Proctor, and so me and Proctor would get home, and he'd be like, Man, on that special teams play, like those were the highlights, even though he started sometimes on defense and played a lot of free safety. It was always the special teams unit that brought excitement because it brought everybody together. So, it was a different type of bond. Um, that we had on the special teams unit. And, and if I look at some of my returns, I remember T. New racing me like Tyreek Hill races people down the sideline. <laughs> exactly, you know, right. Try, trying Same to showcase thing. that he could beat me there. And so it was just one of those things where, um, you know, Virginia Tech was always next to us as far as being special teams. But we by far are the best university hands down when it comes to special teams. And, and we're talking about two decades later, you know. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just a testament to the way that Kansas State, you know, treats special teams and all but here's a question i want to ask david outside of kansas state players nfl wise who's the best all-time returner Deion sanders ah that's who i like that's that's my guy too right so <laughs> i mean you either got <laughs> i mean I, there's a few but for me it's Dion. but then you got dave maggot you know you got metcalf Metcalf, you know, there you so, go. I mean, there's, there's, you know, Westbrook. You know, there's, there's a few of them out there. But when you yeah. talk about a guy who could just, and he didn't do it all the time. So, you know, I mean, do we put him as a returner because he was just back there every now and again? But he made it look so easy because yeah. you put him back there for a big play, right? Because yeah. you knew if you put him back there, something, something good was gonna happen, and he made it look so easy. But yeah, you know, I mean, I think if you go. You know, uh, uh, all time. I mean, you go back to the old greats, like you said, you know, you got your Dave Maggot, you got Metcalf, you know, uh, Westbrook. I mean, let's not forget Darren. (laughs) You know, know, so there's there's a few of them out there. Yeah, it's funny you said Dion, though. So Dion was my favorite player, him and Andre Rising growing up, right? And so I wore 21 in high school, and I used to wear the Nike little thing around my neck, and I played <laughs> offense and defense. So I thought I was Dion, right? So I get to Kansas State, and I'm like, I'm about to get 21. And Marlon Charles was like, I hope you don't think you're getting 21. And I was like, Marlon, let me get 21. He was like, you're, you're a freshman. You're not getting it. And so I got the next closest number, which is why I wore 22. Right. <laughs> but I really wanted to wear 21. Um but, you know, it's, it's just it's amazing to see the level of talent we had, you know, 20 years ago 
and the talent nowadays. And so, you know, and the, and the career that all of our guys have had as they transition. So it's just special to look at those teams because we had so many guys that played at a high level in college and continue to play professionally at a high level. And it was just being around that environment. It felt like the Alabamas and the Clemsons of today's age. That's who we were back then. And um, it's just, it's, it's great to see those guys. Like I said, it was good to see David over the last two weekends. Unfortunately, so much time goes apart and living in different states and life things that you, you don't get a chance right. to really see it. But when you when you see him, you realize it's a brotherhood and a fellowship. And so oh, um, it's and excited this, to bring it, it's, it's crazy you say that because, you know, I didn't play with Darren and I didn't play with Jordy. But it's like it's like you said, when you see those guys and you're around those guys, I mean, you feel like you played with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I didn't grow up with Jordan and Darren and some of these other guys, but when everybody comes back and everybody's around and we're all sitting there talking and reminiscing about this and reminiscing about that, you know, and hanging out and enjoying the game and stuff like that. I mean, I literally feel like those guys were there when I was there, you know, because that's just, like you said, the relationship and the brotherhood that we have. And I'm sure a lot of guys can say that about a lot of those schools too, you know, um, but it does, it, it truly feels like that. Well, you guys are talking about the talent here, man. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a kid that grew up with the the '98 team. I mean, you guys were like that team to me still. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of talent that was on that team. At one point, I calculated. I mean, I think it was like 26 guys on that team at least got a cup of coffee in the NFL, right? I mean, it was just a ridiculous <laughs> roster. Like that's crazy, Aaron. I mean, you're talking about that, David. Like, what from your perspective, what was it like being around that sheer amount of talent that year and what you guys had? You know, I know we won't get credit for it and you know they can say i'm biased because i, I was at k-state and i played but or we probably won't get the recognition for it but in my opinion i mean that was one of the best college football teams in college history you know just based on where we came from based on where we came from and what we were able to do you know to ascend to the number one team in the country uh top five defense top five offense top five you know special teams i mean hands down across the board we weren't short of any side, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, did we fall short? I mean, sure. I mean, you know, the Patriots, when they went 18-0, they fell short. But were they one of the best teams in NFL history? Of course they were, you know. And same thing here. That's how I feel about that 98 team based on, like I said, the guys that we had on the team offensively, defensively, and what we were able to do and what we accomplished during that time. I mean, hands down, I, to me, is one of the greatest uh, – stories and one of the greatest teams in uh college uh, history even though we did fall just a little bit short but could you imagine if we would have won the national championship at kansas state <laughs> you know what i mean at k-state something that no one would have ever thought kansas state yeah. had done but yeah. you know it is what it is and you know things happen for a reason but still you can't take away uh what we accomplished uh during that 98 season so you guys would have smashed Tennessee. I mean, I, I know that. I know oh, that. oh <laughs> nothing. You know, I don't. I don't like talking bad about people. But nothing against Tennessee, but Tennessee. <laughs> Pete Martin and those guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. it, it wouldn't. I don't think it would have been close. No. Even though, like, no. 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 So, I agree. Well, this has been awesome, man. Like I said, I was I was so excited to see David last weekend that you know we run this weekly podcast, and so I was like, I got to get him on, right? It's uh, it's not enough times when we can talk about, you know, the art of returning. Um, people just don't talk about it enough. You know, people think it's easy to go back there. But I think once you get back there, um, it's hard enough to catch the ball, let alone make a play and let alone do it consistently. And so this this man right here did it day in and day out. And so nothing but 
short of a role model as a returner for me. And so glad to, glad to get an opportunity to play with him. Um, hopefully I'm a role model for others, but that's just what we do at Kansas State. We'll just keep rooting for our guys and keep plugging away and keep staying connected and, and keep this bond going. No, most definitely, man. I appreciate it. But like I said, this has been it's been fun. And, you know, those those guys have continued to do a great job. And, you know, I think, uh, like I said, you know, being a punt returner was probably the most exciting thing for me and that I truly enjoyed. And it is a craft. You know, like you said, like you said oh, yeah. earlier, you know, being able to catch with your left hand, right hand, you know, between legs. <laughs> I mean, it's just like anything else, right? It's like, uh, you know, uh, LeBron or Steph Curry being able to shoot right and left-handed. I mean, once yep. you master a certain skill you know there's it's crazy what you can do you know uh, in certain situations so well david really cool to have you on man great to have you back in manhattan this past weekend thanks for coming on the podcast and uh hey hopefully we'll we'll do it again here before too long oh no doubt i appreciate you guys thanks for having me yeah let me know anytime my pleasure everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body including those involved in hormonal balance from functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.